preach now, so I'm going to invite Fraser to, to come up. <coughs> Should we pray for Fraser? Lord, I thank you so much for your word and for the way that you've planted it in Fraser's heart. Lord, in the way that you speak to him and you give him all kinds of things that we need in order to grow in faith and in strength and in love, Lord God. I just pray that as he speaks, he'd know real freedom Amen. to be able to deliver everything that you've given for him to say. And I pray that you would make us like good soil, Lord, that your word would go deep into our hearts and that we would grow strong and that we would be full of your spirit as he speaks. Amen. 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 Good. Well, many thanks to Morris for leading us in that time of prayer. Um, really important that we, we bring all of those situations to the Lord in prayer. And it's good that we can gather together um, at times like this, that we can be together in God's presence, you know his peace, his presence, uh, his Holy Spirit working in our, in our lives individually and as a church. We've called our Sunday morning preaching series this term, Devoted. <clears throat> and the word is taken from a description of the very first Christians who devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. That's a quote from Acts chapter 2. And in the book of Acts, that description applies particularly to people who had recently become believers. They'd responded to the gospel message, they'd repented of their sins, they'd received God's forgiveness, they'd received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the next step was baptism in water and then gathering together with other new Christians where they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And we know that as a result, the Christian church grew and multiplied as many more people said yes to the message of Jesus. So our talks have asked the question, what exactly is the apostles' teaching that these people devoted themselves to? And we've looked at the teachings of various apostles. Uh, we've looked at Paul, who was writing to Timothy. We've looked at James and his letter. We've looked at different apostles on the metamorphosis, the transformation that takes place uh, in our lives. Uh, we've looked at how they devoted themselves to the fellowship. And of course, each of these apostles, each of these men, is faithful to all that Jesus himself taught, and all of them major on the fact that Jesus was the Son of the Father, and that his birth, life, death, and resurrection was for our salvation. So these men are, are adamant that this is the truth. There's no question about it in their minds. They had seen the resurrected Jesus, with their own eyes, and they were convinced that Jesus was God-made man. They knew that Jesus had been sent into the world to be born as a human baby, that he was God 
made flesh and blood, that he was incarnate. And they believed or that, that our sins could be dealt with by the death of Jesus, by the death of Jesus on the cross. And they believed that this enabled our relationship with Father God to be restored. They were quite convinced there was no doubt about it. This was what they were teaching. This was what they knew. This is what they taught. And the message of the cross was central to all that the apostles taught. We've sung this morning, at the cross I bow my knee, where your blood was shed for me. We believe these truths. And these were the foundational truths on which the church was built. The foundational truths. Now, throughout this talk, we're going to apply the Apostles' teaching to us. You might have not noticed that. Do you want to see it again? Can we just... Oh, oh I can't. Anyway, every so often, you'll get this little logo coming up, this little apply symbol. I'm rather pleased with that. And it, it does animate, it does sort of move from onto the screen. Okay, so it'll, it'll suddenly remind you, ah, oh, yes... This is not just some um, sort of dry biblical teaching. This is, this is for me. This is going to be applied to my life. Okay? So let's apply what I've just said. Just as it was important for the very first Christians to know the truth, so it is for us. Yes. Just as it was important for them to be rooted and established in their faith, so it is for us. Just as it was vital that they followed the way of Christ, so it is for us. Without that devotion, without that commitment, our Christian faith would have no substance. It would simply be a set of religious practices. And so these things are important. It's important that we know the truth. It's important that we're rooted and established in the faith. It's important that we follow the way of Christ. Today we're looking at the writings of the Apostle John. And John is the writer of the Gospel of John. He's the writer of three letters known as 1 John, 2 John and 3 John. Uh, and you will have spotted them in your Bibles. And it's to John that the revelation is given. So who is John? Well, he was the first cousin of Jesus. He was a fisherman, together with his brother James. He was one of the first disciples to be called by Jesus. Do you remember they were called sons of thunder? So I guess James and John were a bit of a force to be reckoned with. You don't argue with James and John. Uh, and he describes himself in the Gospel, the Gospel of John, as the disciple whom Jesus loved. So here is a man who knew what it was to be loved by Jesus. And he was a man who was very well qualified to speak and teach about Jesus. He was an eyewitness. He'd been with Jesus from the earliest days and he was a witness to all that Jesus had said and done and to his death and resurrection. And the letters that he wrote to the churches were written between 
85 and 95 AD. And by this time, John must have been an old man and probably the last surviving apostle. What is interesting is the comparatively late date of John's writings. That is compared to other scriptures. And so the gospel message has spread, uh, the church has been established, and opposition to the Christian faith is a lot more significant. People were dying for their faith under the Emperor Nero. Not only were believers facing persecution, not even not, not only were they facing execution for their faith, but they were also challenged by false teaching and uh, by immorality within the church. So there was the in enemy without, in terms of, of the attacks, the physical attacks on these people, but also the enemy within. And it's interesting that John was writing his letters from Ephesus, and so he was fully aware of the pressures on the church because Ephesus was a pagan city dominated by the temple of Diana. The Apostle John undoubtedly, undoubtedly has the age and the authority to address issues of heresy and immorality, the issues that were being faced by the church. And he writes these three letters as we see, to first of all expose false teachers, those who are trying to lead you astray, and secondly to give Christians assurance of salvation so that you may know that you have eternal life. And he reminds his readers of his eyewitness credentials. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. There's nothing second-hand about John's testimony, about John's writings. He's writing to them what he has physically seen and heard. The great thing about John is his emphasis on love. And there's a story widely believed to be authentic, that when the Apostle John became so old and weak that he could no longer preach. He used to be carried into the congregation at Ephesus where he would simply exhort the people. Little children, he would always say, love one another. And when his hearers grew tired of his message and asked him why he so frequently repeated it, he responded, because it is the Lord's command and if this is all you do, it is enough. Little children love one another. So let's apply this to our lives and, and go back to those reasons for, for writing. As with these Christians at the end of the first century, many of us have been believers for some time. But that doesn't guarantee that we will be insusceptible, that we will be immune to the pressures of false teaching and attacks on our Christian faith and behaviour. Just because you've been a Christian for years and years and years doesn't mean that you've got some sort of armour plating so that you're totally uh, immune to, to what's going on in the world around you and in uh, the, the faith systems around you. John's letters, this apostle's teaching is as relevant today as it was then. 
Okay, we can apply this to our lives today. So we're going to read to John together, the second letter of John. You'll find it right at the end of your, your Bibles. Um, and I want everyone this morning to be looking at their Bible. Okay, there's a few spare copies down here. Okay, so if you've not got one, okay, put your hand up. Okay, yeah, a few Bibles. Anyone else need a Bible? Good. Excellent. There you go. Okay, if you can't, haven't got your own, share with the person next to you, because we're going to be reading from the Bible this morning. And for that reason, I'm not going to put all these scriptures up on the wall straight away. Okay, we're just going to stay with this screen, and uh, it simply says to John. Okay, the second letter of John, um, and we're going to read this together. Um, you'll find it on page 1229 of most of the church Bibles. If you've been around church for a while, you may well be familiar with 1 John, the first letter of John, or certainly key verses in it. So today we're going to read 2 John. Before we do so, just have a look at, at that letter on the, on the page. Anything you, you sort of notice about it? And don't, don't read it, just, just glance at it. What does it look like? Short, um, yeah, looks like a letter, doesn't it? Okay, unlike some of these letters that seem to go on and on and on and on, this is a short, succinct letter. Okay, it almost looks like an email, it's that short. And uh, it was probably written on a single piece of papyrus. Secondly, it's, it's addressed to the chosen lady and her children. Now, while some people think that might have been a Christian woman, a particular Christian woman and her children, most think it's John's poetic way of addressing a particular church and members of that church family. So let's uh, read this. The elder to the chosen lady and her children whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I'm not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take him into your house or welcome him. Anyone who welcomes him shares in his wicked work. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. 
the children of your chosen sister send their greetings. John. This second letter of John uh, encapsulates the, the teaching of John's first letter. And there are also clear links with the Gospel of John. Keep your Bibles open because we're going to be looking at, um, at some of these scriptures. We're going to actually do a quick flick from letters to Gospel now. And what I want you to do is to use your fingers as bookmarks. Okay, so we'll, we'll have one finger in one John, um, one finger in two John, and, and one in the Gospel. Okay, because we're going to zoom from one to the other to the other. But what I want to show you, um, I want to show, show you uh, this, this quite quickly, is just how John's teachings um, are carried from, from one to the other to the other. And so we're, we're not going to put them up on the screen just yet, but we're going to look at them on the page. So 2 John and verse 5, first of all, we've just read it. I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. Notice what John has written there about love. Then turn back a page or so to page 1225, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 7. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 7. John writes this, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. The old command is the message you've heard. Okay, so he's still talking about this new command that he's uh, writing to them about. And then back a little bit further to John's Gospel. Okay, you'll find this on page 1082 in the Church Bibles. John chapter 13, verse 34. Page 1082. And these are the words of Jesus recorded by John. Jesus says this, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. <coughs> Now, what I want to say to you is this. There is no cutting and pasting in John's time, okay? He has committed all this to memory over many, many years. He's writing these letters as a really old man. He'd written the gospel many years before. He'd heard Jesus speak these words maybe some 70 years before. And he's still holding on to these truths. These truths are so important that John commits them to memory and he repeats them whenever possible. Let's put them up on the screen now. Here they come. Those are the verses we've just read. And notice the similarity. John is writing about this new command that Jesus has given his disciples. This is apostles' teaching. These are the very words of Jesus that he is constantly reminding them of. Okay, we'll leave that one up on the screen for a minute and we'll do another quick zoom around, this time on the subject of obedience. Okay, back to 2 John and verse 6. 2 John and verse 6. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. Back a page to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3. This is love for God to obey his commands. Almost identical, isn't it? 
And then back to John chapter 14, verse 23, again on page 1082. Again, the words of Jesus. Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. Okay, so let's look at those on the screen. These are the words we've just read. These are the words that we've just found there in the scriptures, in John's gospel and in the letters. Two examples of how the apostles' teaching here on love and obedience is not, as Peter writes, cleverly invented stories, but it's the teaching, the very words of Jesus Christ himself. And we could trace other themes too. just want to quote Peter at this point. We did not follow cleverly invented stories, writes Peter, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Peter, John, the other apostles are saying, we didn't make this up. This isn't hearsay. This isn't just sort of a myth that's, or, or a rumour that's been passed on to us. We didn't invent this. We didn't make this up. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So let's look at the two main themes of John's second letter. The two main themes are truth and love. And I've entitled this talk, Walk in Truth, Walk in Love. Read the first half of this very short letter and you'll see that John uses the words truth and love five times each. I don't know whether that, that's, you noticed that as we were reading it. He keeps talking about truth. He doesn't find any alternative words. He keeps talking about love. He doesn't find any other way of describing it. He goes on and on about truth and love. These are priorities for John. Truth and love. Love and truth. Truth and love. And so first of all, let's look at truth. Walk in truth. John says it's given him great joy to learn that many members of the church family are walking in the truth. Or as the message puts it, living out the truth. Look at verse 2 of 2 John. John's written that the truth lives in us and will be with us forever. Truth, that gift of God which is revealed in Jesus. Jesus who says, I am the truth. Truth, it's recorded in God's word. Your word is truth. Truth is the root for our Christian journey. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. All those quotes are from John's Gospel. I am the truth. Your word is truth. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We have a personal responsibility to walk in the truth. I love walking. I love reading maps. In fact, I could spend ages studying a map and plotting a route and calculating distance and direction. Polly does not have that skill, but unlike me, she loves reading music. She can immerse herself in reading a score, gaining a feel for what the composer is seeking to communicate before translating it into beautiful sounds. To make a journey, we need to read the map and follow its instructions. To play a piece of music, 
faithfully, we need to read the score and follow the composer's directions. And it's no different with our Christian life. If we are to be followers of Jesus, we must walk in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. It takes courage to walk in the truth. And that's where we can ask the Holy Spirit to help us to step out. So going back to my map illustration, it would be easy for me to sit at home with my map open on the kitchen table, just imagining that expedition. I can do it. I can, I can imagine, vaguely, more or less, what that, what that walk will be like, what that journey will be like. But in order to, to get out there and to get going, I need to get my boots on, I need to set my compass, and I need to follow the map and walk. So why does John suggest that only some of this Christian family were on the right track and following the right route? He says, I'm really happy that some of you are following this route. It seems that some of them thought that you could be a follower of Jesus without taking too much notice <coughs> of the commandment to love. And in addition, some were being deceived by false teachers who were leading them off track. And we'll look at the priority of love in a moment, but first let's stay with this priority of truth and the danger of deception. In the first century, the heresy of Gnosticism was prevalent. We're not going to go into this in detail, but Gnostics taught that our physical bodies are evil. And consequently, they said that immoral behaviour, breaking God's laws, was of no moral consequence. Essentially, you can do what you like, it doesn't really matter. They also taught that Christ could not have become man. Uh, and so, just to quote some notes from my, my study Bible, they taught the divine Christ joined the man Jesus at his baptism and then left him before he died. In other words, they didn't believe in the incarnation. Now, you might be thinking, well, so what? That's just a bit of wacky first century distortion of the truth. I tell you, it's not hard to find similar teachings in Totnes today. So John writes his letters to expose false teachers. He says, verse 7, they are deceivers. They do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. They are anti-Christs. And in verse 11, he says, There's, uh, theirs is a wicked work. John doesn't mince his words. So let's apply this. Yes. How does this apply to us? Is it possible for a Christian believer today to lose their way? Sadly, the answer is yes. And especially in a town like Totnes. Because we've lived and worked and worshipped in Totnes for over 35 years, we can point to several people who became Christians in this church, people who were baptised, people who started well, but then were seduced by New Age teachings and practices. 
There are many teachings, false teachings around today, which would deny the divinity of Christ, which deny the truth of John's prologue to his gospel. Listen to these words. Uh, you don't have to look them up, they're, they're quite familiar, but just listen to this and see whether you agree with this. Do I believe this? Ask yourself. John here is describing Jesus as the Word and the Light. Ask yourself, do I believe this as truth? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The incarnation which we celebrate at Christmas, which we celebrate throughout the year. The person and work and teachings of Jesus, these truths are central to our Christian faith. They are absolutely foundational. We preach Christ crucified. Jesus Christ is the foundation of our faith. He's the focus of our faith and he's central to our faith. That's why Jesus is the subject of our preaching and teaching. And he's the object of our worship. That's why the Alpha course and our discipleship course are all about Jesus. There is no Christianity without Christ. And any church or ministry or system which places greater emphasis on some other belief or practice is to be avoided. I'm going to repeat that just in case you didn't hear it, okay? Listen up. Any church or ministry or system which places greater emphasis on some other belief or practice is to be avoided. Any teaching which draws you away from God's ways, which distracts you from following Jesus Christ, is false. And John says these people are distorting the truth. They're trying to lead you astray. In verse 9 he says, Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. John is referring there to the Gnostics who believed that they had advanced beyond the Apostles' teaching. So let's be wary of superior knowledge. There will be those who say, well, I've got a new revelation or superior knowledge uh, over and above what you lot are teaching, over and above what the Bible emphasises. The message of verse 9 is this, the only way to have God or to have a personal relationship with the Father is through faith in Jesus Christ the Son. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. We come to the Father through Jesus the Son and by the Holy Spirit. Just remember that. The prayers that we have prayed today, the worship, the sung worship that we have offered, 
has been to the Father through Jesus the Son and by the Holy Spirit. 1 John 1 and verse 3, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. That is the truth that John proclaims. That is the truth that we proclaim. And this is the Apostles' teaching. We're going to move on and we're going to look at our second theme from this letter, walk in love. And what we'll see is that uh, truth and love belong together. So let's look at, at this one, walk in love. John reminds his readers of the old commandment to love one another. Verses 5 to 6, I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. This is not some sort of romantic notion. John is saying love means doing what God tells us. And from the start he's told us to love him and to love one another. If you're familiar with the first letter of John, you'll know that love is a major theme. God's love for us, our love for him, our love for one another. Listen to these verses. They're not going to be on the screen, but just listen to them. They come from the first letter of John, and the first three verses are from chapter 3. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's that wonderful passage in 1 John chapter 4, uh, and verses 8 to 12. God is love. This is how God showed his love to us. And you can read that for yourself. A wonderful summary of God's love for us in Jesus Christ. John's message in his letters is wonderfully clear. The God who calls us to believe also calls us to love. If we are to be devoted, we must love. It's a command. The question is not whether we know it, but whether we are doing it. Remember the words of Jesus, this time in the message, John 13. This is how everyone will recognise that you are my disciples, when they see the love you have for each other. It's often said that such love must be an act of the will. We might not feel like loving that person, but as we ask for the Holy Spirit's help, as we consci consciously decide to reach out to another, so our love will grow. There are many, many acts of love that take place in secret in this church and in this community. That is obedience, that is devotion. To love the Lord is to obey him. This is the Apostles' teaching. Love and obedience belong together. To love is to obey, and to obey is to love, and on and on. 
But what if our love is weak? What if you feel, well, the love that I once had is not, not very real at the moment? What if we feel our love for Jesus is not like it once was? Well, John's first letter provides the answer. We love because he first loved us. We need to go back to the truth of the Bible. We need to remind ourselves of his great love for us. We go back to the cross where Jesus showed us the full extent of his love. Where the Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. We rehearse the truths of God's word. Where the Lord assures us, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. Jeremiah 31.3 He will never let us down. He will never let us go. He will never give us up. He never stops loving us. And when we need to remind ourselves of the limitless love of God for each of his children, we can take the scriptures and personalise them. And by that I mean we can... We can just make a little change to them and insert our own names. So here's your final um, Bible search for the morning. Okay, Romans chapter 8 and verse 38. You'll find it on page 1135. Okay, look it up in your Bible, page 1135, because you're going to have to read it out in a minute. All right. It's not up on the wall, it's in your Bible. Okay, Romans chapter 8 and verse 38. And what we're going to do is to read together from verse 38. And uh, every time we get to a pronoun, um, so every time we get to the word us, uh, don't, don't say us, say me Fraser, but you won't be saying me Fraser because that's my name, okay? You've got your own name, so it'll be me Chris, it'll be me Aid. it'll be me Denise, or whatever your name is, okay? So here we, here we go, Romans... Romans 8 and verse 38. We're going to read this together and we don't include the word us. Together. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate me, Fraser, from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You have just proclaimed an amazing truth. Remember where it is, because you'll want to go back to that one. What a wonderful truth. There is nothing in all creation that is able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the Apostles' teaching. 
Okay, one more. Did you enjoy doing that? Yeah. Yes, good. Okay, Ephesians chapter 3, page 1175 in most of the church Bibles. Ephesians chapter 3, page 1175. And we're going to read from verse 17. Ephesians 3 and verse 17, halfway through that verse. And Paul says, I pray that you, okay, I pray that I, Fraser, I, whoever. Uh, okay, you've got to have, have your wits about you with this one. Okay, verse 17, halfway through. And I pray that I, Fraser, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that I, Fraser, may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You have just proclaimed, you have just prayed a prayer that you will know the full extent of God's love. That you will know, that you will grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. What a wonderful prayer to pray. What a wonderful prayer to, to repeat time and time again. That is the Apostles' teaching. <coughs> Finally, in all three of these letters, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, John writes about that which brings him greatest joy. Do you want to know what made John filled with joy? I'll read it to you. Okay, see if you can notice what made his joy complete. 1 John 1, verse 4. We write this to make our joy complete, chapter 5 and verse 13, so that you may know you have eternal life. 2 John 4. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth. 3 John and verse 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. John is, is absolutely filled with joy to know that others are walking in the truth, to know that those who have just come to faith are people who are walking in the truth, are people who know that they have eternal life. So here's a challenge and an invitation and a blessing. First of all, a challenge. A challenge to those of us who've been Christians for some time. What gives us most joy in life? Is it to see others growing up in Christ, walking in truth and walking in love? That gave John the greatest joy. I wonder, does that give you joy? Here's an invitation to people who are not yet sure of their faith or who have perhaps only just come to faith. At the end of his Gospel, John tells us 
that he has written this gospel so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. He writes this gospel so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And not only just to believe it, but by believing that you may have life in his name. Choose to believe. Choose life. And we've got some great booklets that we can give you to help you to begin to walk in the truth and to walk in love. So there's a challenge, there's an invitation, and now a blessing on all of us. Receive this blessing. Receive this encouragement to be devoted to the Apostles' teaching. And this is based on John's greeting in 2 John and verse 3. Let grace, mercy and peace be with us in truth and love. From God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son. Amen. Amen. We're going to finish there. We're going to just um, pl play a, a track um, from Ben Trigg's CD. And it's uh, a version of a wonderful old hymn. Uh, the words um, are actually going to be up on the wall, just so that you can, can hear um, this sung to us, sung over us. Receive these words and make them your expression of love for Jesus. Thank you.
you, Lord. We're going to take some time in worship now to do some business with God and to receive prayer ministry. If you'd like some prayer ministry about anything at all, anything you've heard this morning or anything else that's going on in your life, if you'd like some prayer ministry, there's going to be an opportunity this morning in this last 10 minutes to receive some prayer. So if we could have some, some prayer people, some hungry leaders uh, on both sides. And if I could ask the band just to come and set up. And we're going to take 10 minutes.